Welcome to the official TSS podcast, Keep It Simple, where we sit down every week to discuss anything and everything under the sun that has to do with personal finance. And we try to keep it simple, of course. I'm Soap, the content writer for TSS. And I'm Pris, the graphic designer for TSS. And we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Hi Soap. Hi Pris. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? The Celebrate Phase 2. Wait, I shouldn't hype it up, right? <laughs> yeah, because this is not really a topic to celebrate about. I think because we're going to talk about recessions. Well, actually, oh, the no. recession this year. Yeah, and how it affects fresh graduates in these times. I mean, I think this is a topic that's on everyone's minds, especially for those who've graduated last year or are graduating this year and they're all ready to find jobs. Because with a recession, it means that the economy has slowed down and that basically means that companies have either slowed down their own hiring or they've stopped it completely. So that spells a lot of trouble for fresh grads who are trying to look for a job now that they're done with their studies. So I think this is like a huge point of concern for most of them, right? Yeah, I totally, I would totally be super concerned if I were to graduate at this time. I'd be like, oh, I can't even get a job. My starting pay will be like so low. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of concerns, especially like what you mentioned. Um, I think it's valid that people will be thinking about, you know, the fact that it's a recession. It probably means that their salaries are going to start, you know, lower than they've expected. And I think other fresh grads will probably worry about whether they'll even get a job in the first place. I, I saw the, there's this like article that I saw on Straits Times. In fact, Q1 was actually the biggest ever quarterly decline in employed people in Singapore. Eh? Yeah, which basically means employment rates are at an all-time high. And I think it's not surprising because, I mean, COVID has hit a lot of industries pretty hard, especially with tourism, hospitality. I think even F&B, you know, some restaurants, they're probably like struggling a lot. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think that's why, you know, there are lesser jobs on the market. And that's also why the government is trying to create more jobs to help to keep the economy alive, basically. So with all these concerns at the front of everyone's minds, I think it's time we 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 really talk about how do we survive a time like this as a fresh graduate. Even though me and Pris we're not fresh grads in twenty twenty, obviously. Um, we're also here to, you know, just talk about it and hopefully we'll come to some solutions for all you worried fresh grads out there. And I think one way to do that is to really uh, look back on history and to to look at what people before us have done because this is definitely not the first recession we faced. There have been recessions in 2008, even before that, in 1997. And... What I'm trying to say is basically it's not the first time we've been through this. Uh, Recessions have hit us before. Jobs were affected, especially in 2008. And I think it's worth our time to to look back at what's happened before to see if, you know, there are any solutions that we can use. And I want to bring up this uh, study that I came across recently that was conducted on university students and graduates a while back. Uh, disclaimer though, this is a Canadian study, so it's not really related directly to Singaporeans, but but I think their findings are quite uh, universal, actually. So this research was conducted on Canadian students who graduated 
around the time of the 2008 recession, and it explored the effects that the financial event had on these people's like career progressions and stuff like that. So one of the main points that this study provided, and I'm not gonna quote the whole study because it is quite a long paper. One of the main points was that if you graduate in a recession, it will lead to losses in your earnings initially. So these losses can go up to about nine percent of your annual earnings, and it's not just for like the next five years. It could go up to even ten years. Can you imagine going through the next ten years fresh out of school, like earning a lower salary than you actually thought you would earn? Yes, yeah, ten years is a long time. I can like give birth to a kid and then like raise the kid up and then like the kid can fend for himself already. That's that's right. At, okay. at 10 years old, Sorry. your kid can fend for himself I'm joking, at 10. I'm joking. Okay, well. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it is a pretty long time. 10 years is not like, I mean, it's just, if, if you graduate at 24, you're going you're gonna to be 34 or 35 by the time you recover from this financial event, basically. Okay, so I know in 2008, I was 14. Like, me and Soap, we were just merely children. Yeah, that's right. I was 13 years old during that time. So, I know that both of us have not been through what most fresh grads now y'all are going through. So, instead of hearing from two noobs who have never experienced a recession properly, we can hear from the experience of our friend, Geraldine, who was a fresh grad during 2008, and how it affected her as well as how she managed to overcome the pay gap that came with graduating during a recession. I graduated in 2008 as a marketing student, and at that point of time, it was very difficult for me to find a job. I was jobless for six months, and every day I was sending about 20, sometimes 40 resumes in a day. My first job was an admin assistant. It was not the ideal job for a marketing student, but in that climate, whatever comes, I just stick. La. The most important thing I learned there was surprisingly not marketing. It was a lot of like people skill coordinating in the different business units. Actually, that was what got me through the door for my second job because my second job was uh, uh, doing marcoms and it was exactly uh, what was required as part of the job. That is to coordinate with the different departments. There was a sweet pay bump of about $500. And it's not the ideal pay, but definitely much more comfortable than my first job. I stayed in my first job for about six months before I decided to move on to my second job. In my second job, I learned web content management, uh, magazine content, as well as photography. Actually, these were the skills that helped me get through the door in my third job. Because uh, in my third job, I was the marketing manager of a hardware company. So there, I had to do the hardware catalog, which, you know, like needed photography, needed the catalog design. So I actually picked up skills like Adobe InDesign, Adobe Illustrator, and applied them to my job. So in my third job, actually, I also learned SEO and SEM. And that actually got me interested in digital marketing. I took a massive pay cut in my fourth job. Because while I had marketing experience, I didn't have digital marketing experience. They saw value in what I learned in my third job, which is SEO and SEM. Um, but still very basic. And I didn't feel confident to ask for the same pay that I was getting. So I actually took a few steps back in terms of salary. Eventually, in my fourth job, after being there for about three to four years, yeah, I finally balanced out and went back to about the same pay. Actually, no, even higher. Towards the end of my fourth job, 
I actually became a digital marketer. In fact, I was confident enough to plan and strategize campaigns for clients. Thinking back, right, it's not just about the technical skills that's important. I think the soft skills were equally important. In fact, maybe in some cases more important than the technical skills. Um, it's really about working with people and improving efficiency, being more productive. There's a popular belief that job hopping can get you a higher salary. But I think really what's important is constantly learning new things, picking up new skills, and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. I think that learning new skills have played a big part in my career. Thanks Geraldine for sharing your experience. I think what she said about focusing on skills is really very important and we'll definitely touch on that later. But something she said about job hopping actually reminded me of the study we've been quoting. So according to the study, graduates who are dealing with a recession can actually start at smaller, lower paying firms. So basically you start there and you'll be able to play catch up in terms of your salary as you progress through different jobs, even if you take a longer time than those who graduate in like recession free times. Yeah, so actually personally, even though I didn't graduate during a recession, I my first job was relatively a low pay job, like considered lah. Yeah. Um, disclaimer: I'm actually a diploma holder only, so I don't have a degree. So I think everyone wants to know the figures, right? You capo people. <laughs> so my my first job, uh, I asked for two thousand, and I think because I was inexperienced and really like desperate to find my first job, so I gave in when the HR person um insisted on only offering me one point seven k. Ouch. And this is before CPF, ah. No. So after <laughs> yeah, CPF, so you're after like. Yeah. After CPF. Oh. Yeah, I'm left with basically not much, lah. I couldn't really save much as well. Right. Yes. So it was actually quite discouraging, but I was like, okay, it's just only my first job. So yeah. So I left the job after six months, simply because my contract ended. And when they offered to renew my contract or like to convert me to like full time. I rejected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So salad stop was not a good place to work for me. I had like so much health problems. My eczema flared up because it was so freaking dusty. I hated it so much. Leaving was the best decision of my life. <laughs> Fuck you. Wow. Fuck your salad. Oh, um, That's it. Wow. I. That's it. That is intense. I can see why you left after six months. So can I assume that after you left, you found a better place, and that your salary also found a better place? Oh yeah. Um. So after right after I left, I, um, I actually applied for some jobs. Actually, I did. I didn't even uh, get a new job first before I quit. I mean, desperate times, right? Yeah. Uh. And also, cause I think at that time I was like young and like you know yolo. Yeah. And then I just left. But I was really lucky because not long after my last day, uh, I actually got a call from a company. Uh, it's actually a gaming company. And after I went for the interview, I got the job. Ah. Yeah. And the pay that they offered me was higher than I thought it would be. It was uh, actually 2k plus. So I was really happy, ah, obviously. Because it's <laughs> what you wanted, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was at least a living wage, you know. Mm. That's true. Yeah, instead of having to survive on like basically almost nothing. Right, <laughs> but that was the company you were at before you came over to TSS, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. why did you leave? I felt like it was 
time to move on because okay so how, how I decided that I wanted to like change industry so called because gaming and like TSS is quite different right um, yes so I I basically kind of looked at the gaming industry and like felt like my chances in the gaming industry to earn a higher wage or the wage that I wanted was not really likely to happen because I think in the gaming industry there's a lot of polarizing opinions from my personal experience I felt that there isn't much room for the gaming industry in Singapore specifically to grow yeah so there wasn't much chance for me to grow in the industry as well so that means if you didn't like take on a management role your salary would never go up yeah it would be kind of stuck yeah you can say that so I guess that's why you decided to make the jump and then you came over to TSS yeah and then my salary also made a jump so I'm really happy with that yeah the rest is history or at least the present (laughs) right okay so I guess even though you didn't graduate in a recession you did kind of start from a so-called so-called disadvantaged uh, starting point because you got lowballed right off the bat, right? Kind of, and also uh, I wouldn't say it's totally the company's fault. Uh, it was also like kind of my naivety uh, and <laughs> my low self-esteem that comes from not having any experience, yeah, no confidence, yeah, and like my desperation to find a job. Yeah, yeah. I think this is something people can relate to, lah. Especially fresh graduates. I mean. You know, we are told what to expect for our salaries when we graduate because they're like surveys every year and stuff like that. But I think in a recession when times are uncertain, the fresh grads of this year will be even more uncertain and afraid because they don't know what their starting salaries are going to be now that the economy is in this state. But from your story, we can learn that, you know, whether it's a recession or not, um, even if you start from a lower starting point like you did, this pay gap issue, I don't think it's going to last forever. And it's also important to mention that as a nation you know we've recovered from recessions before like 2008 and before that 1997 so I think really what we have to do is to hang tight for the moment I guess and if you're worrying about whether a low starting salary would disadvantage you down the line or even the next 10 years according to Minister Josephine Teo you might not even have to disclose your salary to future employers I actually only discovered this later on, so really, yeah, I lost out. Yeah, but disclaimer, this is still kind of like a standard practice all around, and everyone knows about it. So, I mean, if you don't want to disclose your salary, but they still ask for it or like insist on it very strongly, then why would you want to work for these companies in the first place? But I know not everyone has the luxury of choosing like where they want to work. So take it with a grain of salt and look at the company as a whole, not only just the salary, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I mean, things like company yeah. culture, whether they work overtime, you know, more than, than usual. There's a lot of other yeah. factors to consider when you're looking for a job mm-hmm. out there. Also, if you choose a job hop like me, uh, just do it responsibly, you know, don't get the reputation of being a flake yeah. in the industry because Singapore is super small and you know people super capo people are no one uh. yeah I think yeah. it's important not to not to job hop for the sake of simply job hopping because you want mm-hmm. a higher salary because I think as much as salary matters I think your skills and experience also factor in very much yeah so remember the study that Soap mentioned just now about the Canadian college graduates. So in the study, I'm going to just quote them because I don't want to spread misinformation. 
College graduates at the bottom of the wage and ability distribution experience larger and more persistent losses. Which means, if you have low salary and low skills, your losses are even longer than someone who simply just started with a low salary. Right, so it means that your experience does matter. If you're not as proficient as the next candidate, then your progression up the ladder will be that much harder. Your climb for a higher salary will take that much longer, right? Yep, exactly. And while for those with more skills and a higher starting salary, the effects are actually small and short-lived. Yeah, which I think makes sense because your experiences, your skills, they are very much tied to how much salary you're going to draw. And that actually reminds me of my own experience when I decided to quit my first job and I'd been working there for two and a half years at this particular company. The reason why I wanted to leave was because I felt that the company I was working at wasn't giving me the relevant experience and skills I needed to become a writer, basically. I mean, I was writing at my first company, but it was basically ghostwriting and I couldn't use any of the things I did there in my creative portfolio, basically, because it wasn't creative writing at all. It was kind of technical. Uh, what a waste. It kind of was, but I mean, at the time, I was just a diploma graduate, right? And I thought to yeah. myself, okay, this company is going to offer me above 2K. I think I could live with this for a while, just earn the money and then we'll see how it goes from there. But I looked at my resume after I think two years and then I realized, oh, well, this company's not going to give me the experience I need to move on to become like a content writer or copywriter. Yeah, so after I quit, uh, what I did was I went into freelancing because I had no portfolio, remember? So I needed to build a portfolio. Yeah. So the rational thing to do is to start freelancing, you know, start building up a, a list of works that I've done, basically, to hopefully get a better full-time job in the future. So that's what I did for the first six months after I quit. And I took a 75% pay cut, by the way. I was earning 500 or less every month in my time as a freelancer because there weren't a lot of clients at the time. I didn't know anyone as well. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I started from ground zero. And, and after that, I took on an internship, which still wasn't much. So my pay kind of stayed on the low side for a whole year. It was the longest year of right. my life, but I'm glad I made it. <laughs> yeah, but eventually I made it because once that year ended, uh, I, I found a job with TSS and here I am on a podcast. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, so... She made it! I made it! Damn. You made it! Yeah, so... So that was really my, my own personal journey and I was very much motivated by getting the right experience, learning the right skills, building a portfolio from the ground up. So I think for me, the moral of the story really was that, you know, what I had to do was to keep my eyes on the prize. You know, I couldn't control, I couldn't control the fact that, you know, the, the pay was, was very low this time, but I could control everything else, which was that I just needed to work hard. And in the end, the the year I spent upskilling myself, it really helped me to position myself better in the market. It also links back to the whole worry about the salary issue. Like, clearly, I didn't have the required experience to work in the job that I wanted to work in. But then after I got that experience, I did get to where I wanted to go. And my salary did increase. So, a happy ending for all. <laughs> That's right. But I 100% agree with you, so I think that one year was really a sacrifice that was well worth it. 
Yeah, yeah. Even though, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people told me like, you shouldn't be doing this because, you know, look at how much you're earning. It's it's barely anything. Maybe you should just take up an admin job first. I, I've heard a lot of that in that one year. Yeah. And I actually almost believed them for, for a while. I actually thought, you know, maybe yeah. I am just like screwing around. But then I realised that one year that I spent freelancing and working as an intern, it did more for me than the, the first two and a half years of my career. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think anywhere where you get new experiences and you manage to upskill yourself, I don't think that you should listen to people or like haters <laughs> who like say that you know, you're taking a step back, like you're regressing, you know? Yeah. You should just see it as a step forward. Yeah, I think because my focus wasn't on the numbers, on the money that I was earning. It was really about the value that I could get out of Mm -hmm. a whole year of just doing what I should be doing. And I think think for for fresh grads who are struggling with this recession, if you guys can't find a job right now and you're worried that you'll never be able to get a job, what you guys can do would be to actually, like I said, focus on the things you can control, which is basically yourself and your own skills. You know, fresh grads could benefit from spending time upskilling themselves. There's so many online courses now, they're all the rage, you know. Pick up a new skill or if you're a creative or you want to go into a creative career, you can start personal projects, right? As a designer, do you have any advice for them, Pris? Yeah, I have some. So, uh, when I was in my full-time job last time, I did a lot of freelance jobs, freelance projects that eventually contributed a lot to my portfolio. So, uh, not only was my work, my full-time job, the projects in my portfolio, but I also had projects with other clients. I also did like a lot of personal projects. I think those were really fun for me. It wasn't, I didn't do them for the sake of like, oh, if I do this, I could get a better job next time. I just did it because it was enjoyable to me. And, you know, just upskilling doesn't mean that it has to be super boring or super client-based, you know what I mean? It could be something that you are really passionate about and people can see that. People can sense that. Mm. And I think if you show employers your passion projects. I think they can really Definitely. appreciate a candidate who really loves their work, you know, instead of just yeah. the fact that you've spent all this time pouring yourself into something that means something to you. That's going to make you an yeah. even more valuable candidate, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it shows like proactiveness as well. Yeah. And that you can actually handle doing a project by yourself. Yeah. Uh, a lot of time management skills can be shown from that. And uh, ver- versatility is important as well. Yeah, that's true. So there's no harm in going into personal projects, actually. I mean, we've on yeah. TSS, we've done <laughs> a few interviews with, with interesting people who have made very interesting side hustles. Like the time I interviewed a couple who, a couple of YouTubers, basically, who just create videos from their, their love for claw machines. You know those arcade games? Oh my god, yeah. I'm damn bad at them, yeah, it, but they're so... I saw that, I was like, wow, I want to do that too. Right? <laughs> and, and they just spend all their time making like videos where they're just at the arcade winning tickets and stuff. And it's become a side hustle for them. Yeah. And it was this also reminds me of the other story that we did where an artist on Patreon, she's really chasing her passions and mm-hmm. she's got like a sizable following and she's really enjoying what she does. And I think that kind of, I don't feel like it's time wasted, you know, even though they're not really making like so-called full-time salaries, I think it's still worth it in the long run. Yeah, yeah It really says a lot about you yeah, to commit to something like that, to make something out of your passion and your skills, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we know that salary isn't everything and experience matters as well. But, you know, having a low salary still sucks, right? So, focus on upscaling during this tough time and a salary increment will naturally follow. Yeah, it's only a matter of time because the more skills you have, I mean, employers are going to look at your skill set and be like, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, it's reasonable to pay this person more because... 
they're more proficient. You can you can like train yourself to be a rare Pokemon, you know. Like who like you can be an illustrator and a programmer. Oh my god, like <laughs> rare limited edition. Employers will rush to buy to to cop that hot drop, you know, queue up to buy and you can even charge higher. Yeah. You know, for your services. It's true. Yeah. So I mean even during this recession, even if things seem like they're not gonna happen for you for a while. Like we said, focus on the things you can control. And the only thing you can control is yourself. Definitely. Well, sometimes I can't control myself. I mean, that's like your problem, right? Around like, yeah, like chips, I mean, you know. It's like That's a you problem, okay? <laughs> like, it has nothing to do with our innocent <laughs> audience, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for trying to relate myself <laughs> to other people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of Keep It Simple. If you like what you hear, remember to leave us a review on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Remember to also share this with your family and friends. Stay tuned for more episodes every week. And until then, keep, keep it, it simple. simple. Bye! Bye.